This is Resolutions, a podcast about dispute resolution and prevention from the American Bar Association Dispute Resolution Section. I'm one of your co-hosts, Larry Schooler. I'm Director of Consensus Building and Community Engagement for the consulting firm CDNP. On Tuesday, June 30th, the ABA Dispute Resolution Section will host a special virtual town hall starting at 12 p.m. Eastern Time to discuss a fascinating topic. A task force on innovative processes of conflict prevention, led by Section Chair Joan Stearns Johnson, has spent the last several months exploring how we can adapt our skills to conflict prevention through the use of standing and standby neutrals as well as deal facilitators. This task force is focused on affecting the implementation of our dispute resolution techniques at ever earlier stages in order to help manage and maintain relationships and prevent nascent conflict from devolving into litigation. Joan Stearns Johnson joins me now to talk about the task force and the town hall. Well, Joan Stearns Johnson, welcome to Resolutions. Great to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. You know, when we talked about doing this episode and you told me that it had something to do with proactive steps to anticipate and manage conflict, I'm sure that I had the reaction that many other people will have when they hear this episode, which is, but of course we should take proactive steps to anticipate and manage conflict. But it's not something that I think we hear so much about in our profession. And I wonder what your theories might be about that. First of all, you're exactly right. It, it, we all think we're doing it. And, and yet we're not. My reaction is also, the other thing that I find is that people confuse this concept that we are talking about with what we are already doing, which is mediation, early case assessment, early, early dispute resolution. And it's not that. And so for those who aren't as familiar with things like early case evaluation and early dispute resolution, what do you see our field doing in those cases that might be different from something even, even further upstream, like what we're going to talk about here in a little bit? Oh, my goodness. I think that we can play such an important role because we come with the tools. We are ready with the skill set to help do this. Um, can I also just talk a little bit about what we call this? Because I think that that alone creates some confusion. It goes by different names. It First of all, let me say that it does exist, um, but it's a lot of right hand doesn't know what left hand is doing because of all the different labels that people use. Some people refer to this as conflict management, conflict prevention, conflict anticipation, affiliation management, coaching, conflict engagement. Um, so I think that that alone brings some confusion, but the concept itself is, I think, going to be a future way that people in our field will be um, adjusting their practice. Does early dispute resolution kind of fall into this same universe, or is early dispute resolution, in your mind, something that happens when something more formal has taken place, either a case has been filed, a mediation or an arbitration has been scheduled, something of that sort, whereas what we're talking about here is before any of that even takes place. Well said. I, I think that when you talk about mediation or you talk about early case assessment or you talk about early dispute resolution, you are talking about very specific processes. 
this is a bit more abstract, which makes it a bit more complex. You are talking about possibly a program like they have at Intel that is a formal program with standing neutrals. You might be talking about in the government contract space um, where it is a more informal practice that has been going on for a while and has some of the elements. You might be talking about a more informal um, procedure. Um, Scott Partridge has spoken about this on a number of occasions. It, it has some formality to how they conduct this process, but the process itself has informality to it. And distinguish all of these different ways of implementation from the, even if it varies, the more structured, more easily recognizable other processes. So you were part of a task force that took a look at this topic and, you know, you also are our current section uh, president. So, I mean, it, clearly your participation in this, um, you know, lends it a, a certain amount of, of profile and, and, um, and notice. And I guess I wonder what led you to think that this uh, should demand that level of attention from you and your role? Thank you for that question. So yes, this is my chair year. And um, uh, this is something that I've actually been interested in for a long time now. And, and so last year, um, actually, I was able to form this task force. And um, I, I guess what motivated me to do it is because, first of all, it's it needs to be, I don't know, I, I think it's important for the legal profession, for who we are as problem solvers. And as I saw my chair year approaching, it, it, it goes by so quickly. You don't have too much time and you kind of have to narrow what it is you want to accomplish. And this is so incredibly important to me. And I think it brings value to the legal profession. It is changing a paradigm, and it is also really, really hard. And I think that it would be helpful to give some of the advocates listening kind of a sense for why we are not going to deprive them of billable hours by doing some. Oh, we are absolutely not. So first of all, I'm going to draw an analogy with mediation. Um, there was some initial resistance to lit litigation from um, litigators, and they caught on quite quickly that their objective is to bring value and to help their clients. And the litigators got on board with mediation. So clients really don't want to litigate all the lawsuits. Their corporate clients, and at this moment we are working primarily in the commercial space, corporate clients want to do what they do whether it's making widgets or it's, it's making energy or whatever they do, that's what they really want to focus on. And, and for whether, excuse me, whether you're a neutral, whether you are a business person, an in-house lawyer or an outside counsel, having this enhanced skill set and being able to help your clients anticipate and manage 
conflict in a constructive way will, will make you invaluable to your clients, not irrelevant. This is something that needs to be proactively done. And it is, it is a skill set that can be learned. So I think it is just the opposite. And what we're trying to do is help those people, the people who certainly will attend our town hall, be leaders in this as opposed to followers in this. Can you talk a little bit about, you know, some of, of what you and the group have discovered in terms of ways that our profession can be helpful in that particular phase or space problem prevention? Well, I, I, would, I would say that that's a, an incredibly important focus of this entire process. So if you, you had asked me before about the skill set and whether or not this was suited for neutrals, so if you think about the sort of, an, of, of a skill set we have, one in particular would be anticipatory and diagnostic skills, recognizing when that conflict isn't anything more than some friction or misunderstanding or miscommunication, and then the ability to design a process. So we can talk about process design skills and have some process in play to address these early misunderstanding and friction. Using our full toolkit of negotiation, our cultural competency skills, our communication skills, and understanding of behavioral economics, why people react the way they react, and intervening at when that, that misunderstanding is at its nascent stage. That's the anticipatory part. There's you don't, when you see yourself driving towards a cliff, if you have your eyes open and you see that cliff appearing before you, this is turning the wheel instead of heading straight for the cliff. Why would you do that? Um, it's, it's also understanding that even though we may be carpenters, everything is not a nail. Every problem is not resolved by filing a complaint and answer. But again, when you, you know, going back to your, your preceding question about the value added by lawyers and neutrals and business people, that's a pretty complex set of skills that can be learned at a pretty deep level. One of the interesting notions explored in this section on problem prevention is the idea of providing incentives to parties to encourage cooperation and they gave an example of like a large infrastructure project where bonuses would only be handed out if all parties fulfilled whatever requirements they might have it was sort of an all-or-nothing proposition but i'm curious if if you could speak to sort of how a business relationship or other kind of relationship could be structured in such a way to prevent future problems with that relationship if you were the task force made any discoveries in that particular area? Well, we haven't been focused on that, but let me just, going back to the point you just made, think about, think about how outside counsel bills and what's their incentive. So what if there were, you know, and there's been talk in recent years about alternative fee structures. 
and what if there were fees for keeping for saving money and keeping clients out of litigation what if what if outside counsel were compensated for that that might change things so what's been really interesting over this past year so we started out a year ago thinking you know as i said i've done work in this area but i hadn't really there was a lot i clearly a lot i didn't know i know we didn't invent this but over this past year, not only have I found other um, people who have written on this, you know, we stand on many, many shoulders. So you're referring to a, a, a book of a chapter. I want to mention Jim Groton and Andrea Schneider and Chris Honeyman, who wrote a chapter years ago and have um, I revised the chapter. They've written on that. Tom Sopanowicz has written on this. Work is being done. Um, a, a gentleman who's affiliated with CEDAR, who comes from the um, government contract space. Wolf von, von Kimber, he's with CEDAR, has written on this. Um, and so we began discovering not only the writing, but the sectors where this has taken place and actually where it is working. So we found that in, as I said, in government contracts, in pharmaceuticals, they call it affiliation management where it's working, and in um, other discrete areas. So the work of the task force has actually been to learn about what's going on in other places, find these champions who don't know they're champions, because they think, doesn't everybody else do that? And to find metrics that we think will also be persuasive. Um, so CPR has been doing some very serious work in this area. CPR has some model clauses they're working on. They have a prevention panel. JAMS, um, Rance Howell in London has been working on this. AAA has been working on this. It's, it, it's coming and we're bringing, we as the task force, are bringing these different efforts together to amplify them, to talk about best practices, and to also share that this works. Um, um, Howard Karsman, who's on the task force at Intel, uh, has this standing neutral program, and they have had maybe, I don't know, I forget the exact number, 4 billion, 6 billion, 8 billion in construction with no litigation. And let, uh, that's, a, that's a particular tactic I wanted to, to delve into more, this notion of a standing neutral, because I think that clearly we know plenty of examples of a standing advocate or a standing, you know, attorney who's available on retainer. Um, the notion of a standing neutral was new to me. Talk more about that. Let's begin with that skill set we spoke about. If you have that at a deep level, and, and can I just contrast this full skill set with, and, and, and there are so many incredible mediators out there. So I'm contrasting this process with the mediation process, but there are wonderful, successful mediators out there who rely very heavily on bargaining in the shadow of the law. They can do risk assessment. They're not necessarily using this full skill set. They may not, they may want a more efficient process. So if you focus back on this enhanced skill set, 
where it is really important to have those communication skills at a very, very high level. The standing neutral possessing this skill set, this enhanced communication skill set, this listening skill set, is involved in the deal, again, as a neutral. It's not on either side, has subject matter expertise, but gets what's going on maybe at a level where the people talking to one another don't get it. So is, is this somebody who is meant to just be available to an organization or to a consortium of organizations to consult as they're hashing on an agreement uh, before there was ever any significant conflict and sort of advise the parties on ways to get the deal done? Or I'm, I'm just trying to picture how they actually operate. Oh, I love that you brought that up. So this skill set can be used to put the deal together. We call that deal facilitation. And, and let's do another podcast on that. I would love to speak about deal facilitation. It is the same skill set. And so the answer, the short answer is yes. They're, they, they work for the deal. Although you could hire somebody to coach either side, but they essentially work for the deal and they're listening and they're bringing in and they're managing and they're involved. Now there are two forms of doing this. One is the standing neutral, the other is the standby neutral. The standing neutral, and they may or may not have also been the deal facilitator who put the deal together, but they know what's going on and they can anticipate and they can help and they can steer that car away from the cliff. Standby neutral, you bring in when you think there's a problem. Standing neutral lives with you throughout the deal. We're obviously an organization that's in part built on the role of a third party to assist other parties in the resolution of disputes. <clears throat> on this particular front, I guess a part of me is thinking, gosh, I, I almost would like to see this topic become a part of training that gets provided to either various sectors of the economy, various kinds of organizations. And I wonder if you've explored sort of the, the differing scenarios in which a third party doing some of this work makes more or less sense than the parties themselves learning the skills to kind of do this themselves. So those, there are two questions there. One is the training and the second is the third party. With regard to the third party, Every case doesn't need a mediator. If you have lawyers who really are skilled at negotiation and they have diagnosed the nature of the problem preventing settlement, they know which cases to send to a mediator and which cases they can better settle themselves with a direct negotiation. I would say the same thing here. If, if, if you have business people and litigators with skill sets, um, and I'm told in, in, in in the defense field that they're, they train business people with the appropriate skills. You don't need to bring a neutral in for everything. The other question you asked me about was the training piece. And I, going back to what I said about some neutrals who are brilliant, talented, successful, don't require this full set of skills. You cannot do this work by making reference to what will happen if you go forward. If, if you don't work this out right now, you will be in court. I don't think that's the way to approach this work. So I think, therefore, training is critical. 
even people who have taken mediation training. I don't think you ever stop learning your communication skills. You never stop learning. And then it's even once you've under, you understand the theory, the real challenge is less reading about the theory. It's how do you apply the theory? Do you have the skill to actually hear what's being said between the lines and pull out the right tool and know which tool to use when? So as we're recording this, I know one of the next steps is this pretty significant town hall event on June the 30th. And um, for those who are hearing this before the town hall takes place, I'd love for you to share a little bit more about what they can expect and what would make it a meaningful experience for them and, and kind of what you're hoping will have uh, come out of it. So this, the format of this as a town hall is intentional. This is less a, 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 a lot of panels talking at an audience and more a bringing together of interested um, practitioners in this space, business people, litigators, neutrals, to help us discuss this implementation piece. So it's both defining, discussing, raising consciousness, and then also figuring out how do we make this happen and, and what are the best practices. Um, it's on June 30th. It is from noon until 4.15. And I know that's a, that's a big block of time, but it, it's pretty full and pretty much focused on facilitated breakouts and then reports back and sharing with one another what we're learning. There are going to be two panels. The, the first will be corporate outside counsel uh, litigator and outside counsel transaction lawyer um, approaching this problem and talking about the value added and why they need it and what their interests are um, from those different perspectives. And the second panel will be providers. Um, Alan Waxman from CPR, Rebecca Sturrow from AAA and Rance Howell from uh, JAMS will be discussing implementation and also um, looking for how we create this as yet another way to use neutral skills and, and serve client needs. I, for one, am very excited about it and look forward to it. Well, Joan Stearns Johnson, thank you very much both for being on the podcast and for your leadership of the section. We appreciate both. Can I, can I thank you for the wonderful work that you have done this year and these amazing podcasts and the value that you bring to our section and how, how, how appreciated you are. That was Joan Stearns Johnson, chair of the ABA Dispute Resolution Section and co-chair of the Task Force on Innovative Processes of Conflict Prevention. That town hall is at noon Eastern on Tuesday, June 30th. You can find more information in the show notes and on the section website. For resolutions, I'm Larry Schooler.